This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's uh, fan club why is it so quiet? on FUBAR Radio. Because uh, the fucking thing was down. Why is the microphone so far away from my face? Why is the volume control down? Why does it feel like I am moving into another man's brothel? So... Uh, we'll start again. Nick and Nat's fan oh, club. Press two buttons. It doesn't matter. We're back. So, welcome to <laughs> Friday the 13th. Is it? No, no. it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Um, just no, thought it I'd say it. It's not. It's, it's Friday the 22nd, and you're listening to Nick Helm and Nathaniel <laughs> Metcalf's Fan Club. Fan Club. Fan Club. Fab Club. So, Fab Club. Pat Sharp's fan club, fan fun house. We should get Pat Sharp on. Would he do it? Uh, no. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you're in the clubhouse. <laughs> This is my favourite one already. <laughs> ah, we're in the clubhouse. We're just hanging out, smoking doobs, and uh, playing some of your favourite hits. If your favourite hits are something uh, by, by Anthony Newley or Alice Cooper, uh, so, um, uh. here we are. We're back in. We're back in the hut, the the, the fan hut, the fan. Club hut. The scout hut. The scout We're hut. We're in the scout hut. Back in the scout hut, having another anxiety dream, mum. <laughs> so we're back in the house. Uh, first rule of fan club. Uh, my name's Nick Helm. Th- uh, my, this is Nathaniel Metcalf. And you're listening to Nick. And Nathaniel Metcalf. Nathaniel Metcalf. I always do the surname. <laughs> fan club. Uh, first rule of fan club is uh, tell your friends tell about your fan friends. club. Lots of you, I have serious. I do think that. Um, I hate to start a two-hour fun fest with a telling off, but um, I know for a fact that there are lots of you out there that listen to the show and then just get on with your lives. There is a little bit of admin involved, and it does involve um, telling uh, one or two of your friends. Mm. You know, and if they tell their friends, and they tell their friends, and they tell their friends, and they tell their friends, Mm. then eventually... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> five stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can edit that down. No, nah, it's staying in. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is it's just too much. <laughs> it's just too much uh, Pepsi Max, shall we? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, basically, Summer. I've got a bit of an extra grind. <laughs> it's been grinding my gears for a little bit. Um oh, <sighs> We were part of uh, an online uh, poll for, um, it was basically a head-to-head poll where it was us with three other podcasts. Oh, yeah, 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 I saw this. Um, and the, the general public was to, to, to basically chip in and say which their favourite podcast was. There was yeah. the Para podcast. We're all tagged into it. <laughs> We're all tagged into it. Name first. <laughs> There's the Para podcast, which is like a paranormal podcast. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Parapod. I think so. Parapod, Parapod, which is a, pa- a podcast. 
there was Ellis uh, uh, James and uh, the other guys, uh, J- <laughs> um, uh, John Robbins' uh, uh, X, uh, for Radio X, X Radio X show, which is a radio show. Mm-hmm. You know it's a radio show because it's first and foremost a radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, people listen to it live on the radio and then it becomes a podcast later on. And then what's the other one? Mm. It was Frank Skinner's Frank Skinner Frank Skinner's podcast, which again is a radio show. Mm. Millions of people tune in, listen to Frank Skinner every week, and then it becomes a podcast. So it's not even really a podcast. And then you got our show, mm. which is technically a radio show, but nobody listens to it live, <laughs> so it only really does exist as a podcast. Um, so we count as a podcast, and uh, <laughs> and we said, can everyone review us and give us like, can everyone vote for us? And uh, yeah, we we got we got some votes. We got six yeah. percent of the votes. Parapod, I think, got fifty five percent of their votes. Frank Skinner got twenty five percent of the votes. I thought Frank Skinner won it. Did they not? Oh, Frank Skinner won it. Oh, Frank Skinner won it then. Uh, it's not even a real podcast. Not like this. Yeah. Which literally only exists as a podcast, really. Uh, what do we get? Do we get like 6% or something? We got 6%. I Six. don't think that that's bad. We've got, been on less than a year and sure. we took 6% of Frank Skinner's votes. Sure. Which had 6% of his money. Oh. I try really hard to paint a positive picture of both of us. Sorry. So, um, I just. Um, Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Just act a bit more professional. So, um, uh, what we do is um, uh, we ask people every week, you know, uh, to tell their friends about it. And I cannot believe that after a year, I'm very grateful that we've got six percent of the votes. But um, it's embarrassing because what people aren't doing is they're not like going out of all of the podcasts. Six percent. They're going out of them four. Only six percent of the people. So it's embarrassing, mm. right? Um, and I think that that's really up down to you guys because we're still Telling coming here friends. week in, week out, churning out two hours of five star fan five club, star. five star entertainment. Uh, we do it w- week on week, uh, and uh, we're turning up, guys. Uh, and what I want to know is why? Oh, why haven't you? So this is a guess is a plea for all those people out there that think Nick and Nat's show's all right. Mm-hmm. We've been taken out? for granted. Feel a bit like we've been taken for granted. Yeah. Um, you hear us making each other laugh every week, and can you? Um, hang on, unbelievable! This is not the time to bring in fucking tea, all right? I'm trying to fucking tell the general fucking public what a fucking couple of cool dudes me and Nat are, and you're making us look like a right pair of fucking cunts. Keep it light. Fuck you. Fucking that was the exact wrong fucking moment to fucking walk in with some fucking tea. Thank you for the tea, though. Sorry, I had to hear that, fan clubbers. Anyway, me and Nat are real cool dudes. And I think that when you listen to us at home, you probably take us a bit for granted. You probably think of us just friends. You're probably not even thinking, it is a podcast. Is it a podcast? These are my best friends just having a chat with me in my ears. But you're probably not thinking, is this a podcast like the other ones I listen to? It's different, isn't it? You're probably not even thinking that uh, Nat struggles to 
find the money to actually get here to do the podcast. I it live does. around the corner. It's it just does. a, no, a twenty-minute walk for me, but uh, it was it was five. I know. I've increased my journey by fifteen minutes just by buying my own flat. But your steps are doing all right, aren't you? Your daily steps. My daily steps are doing great. They're through the roof. Um, the last time they were through the roof was when I uh, walked up an extra flight of stairs. It wasn't there. But um, I do use a lot of my money uh, to find psychiatric help. (laughs) So we're not all that all right. And we do actually, uh, your your reviews and your uh, votes do actually count to our psychological well-being. So if you think that uh, you take us for granted, I want you to know right now that we never, ever, ever take you for granted. So we've got a review in now. Uh, I'm just going to look it up, uh, and it's right here. It's f- uh, so. What I'm saying is that we should have got more than six percent, yeah. but next year we got to win it. I, I think twelve percent would be my goal for next year. Okay, yeah. What yeah. I want to do is I just want to get a, a big enough fan base, you know, that uh, that I can retire off of this. That's what I was hoping for. I know that what I do is I've set up a, a, a different account so that every week we get paid for this show, it goes into a separate account that I don't even look at. Okay. And I'm just thinking one day I'm going to look at it. I don't know. I don't know. One day, in, one day in about, I think, in about five years' time when we're still doing this show, and we're still learning. Sure. still a new show. It's been less than a year. But one day, you know, I'm going to take all that money that they paid us and I'm going to put it into a, been put into a separate account. In about five years' time, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to go, what am I going to spend this 352 quid on? Maybe I'll go uh, on holiday. Be nice, isn't it? In uh, Southampton. So here's a, uh, here's a review from Dirch Pepper. Symphony reads fantastic five stars great podcast would love to see you guys team up with Geek Syndicate thanks fan clubbers I think we put the fan into fantastic oh that's what they meant oh what a fucking prick so <laughs> that's all we've got that's all we've got uh, this week that's all we've got time for this week it's uh, yeah. 3.25 um, uh, no, so 3.25 what is, <laughs> no, it's, it's 12.10 it's 12 what time 12 is it 12.10 12.10 it's we're live 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 it's live we're live pre-recorded about 12.10 uh, uh, sorry I'm uh, filming at the moment but um <laughs> <laughs> We've already done another one today. I'm pre-recorded. Nat's in <laughs> <Live>. the studio. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. And he's learnt the script. Perfectly. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh. Um, so, oh God. So, uh, what have you been a fan of this week, Nat? I mean, we haven't, um, we haven't, um, what was I going to say? We haven't got any more fan mail. Uh, can I just also say that um, um, if you uh, if you if you do uh, want to give us a five star review, uh, we're accepting five star reviews on we're accept- iTunes. Only accepting five. But we're only accepting five. If you give us anything less than a five, it's, it's not acceptable. I'm afraid we're not accepting that. No, sorry. Um, so sorry about that. Sorry, we're both the sorry. Fives only. Fives. 
fives only. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my policy for my shows as well. Only yeah. five star reviews, please. Anything less than five sounds like in nitpicking. Mm. I remember. When I think it's a bit rude as well. I, I remember when Uncle came out uh, on uh, on the BBC. The Radio Times gave it a very negative review. They oh. said uh, Oliver Refson, the director and writer. I don't write it. Uh, Oliver Refson, the writer and director, has uh, succeeded in creating the most unlikable main character in any sitcom in the most me- recent memory. Um, uh, I'd like to think I brought a lot to that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even get the credit for it. I didn't even get the credit for, it. It for like, creating an unlikable character. Uh, but that's the great thing about being an uncle. I get all of the good credit and none of the bad credit. When people hate it, it's Oliver's fault. When people like it, I get the, I get the credit. Is nice. it coming back for a new series now? Uh, what, a fourth series? Fourth series? No. No. Okay. No. 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 Not my responsibility. I would love to make it. As I always say, I would make it until I bury the child. But um, uh, we're not making it anymore. Not my choice. I would love to. Yeah. I'd love to. Not remember, of course, that the Radio Times once gave Mary Poppins, what was it, one star? One star. <laughs> Mary Poppins, one star. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who that was. I, do you know who I'd like to get in as a guest? Andrew Collins. Oh, yeah. Can you? Are you just making a note of that? No. What do you do when we're not here? <laughs> what do you do? Do you honestly wait for, wait, wait for us to say stuff like... Because we're still waiting for, uh, what's his name, uh, Danny Lee to get back to us. Levi but Roots. I think, uh, Levi Roots? Where the fuck is Levi Roots? He said no. He, Levi Roots said no? No, he didn't. He didn't. Did Levi Roots say no? We basically do an advert for him most weeks. Did re- oh, Levi Roots didn't say no. Jonathan Ross said no. Um, why did Jonathan Ross say no? He's not got, not doing interviews. That's all he does. <laughs> Oh, you mean on the... Right, yeah, sorry, I've just... Got it. I got it. Um, Cool. Well, uh, sorry, that's just a a taste of uh, some of the guests who we haven't got lined up for you in uh, future future weeks. Um, We're working on it, though, guys. We are working on it. We've got someone very special lined up for Easter. Don't want to say who it is. Uh, (laughs) We've got someone... On our Good Friday show. We've got quite a fucking boon for Easter. Don't want to say. If you don't Um, tune in, make sure. Put it in your diaries. 19th of April, Good Friday. Good Friday. Midday. I'm not just saying this. I'm not just saying... I'm not going to call it Good Friday anymore. I'm going to call it The Best Friday. Yeah. Because he surely is the King of Kings on Good Friday. Coming up. Won't say it is, but... uh, Anyone that's been a fan of fan club from the very beginning will know that this... Is investment that you've put in of your time and energy and sometimes money, postage stamps for fan mail and etc. I know that it's finally culminating in one giant payoff for you. <whistles> Don't want to spoil who it is. <laughs> Let's just say <laughs> he's finally here. So anyway, so what are you being a fan of this week, Nathaniel? <laughs> I'm just going to get my phone out because uh, I often um, I do these little reviews like you did. Well, mm-hmm. you basically used to re- review films, and I used to be like uh, insanely jealous of all the attention you got. <laughs> I wasn't really getting much attention. No, but, I uh, know, and it still chafed me. But um, I tell you what, film I'd like to mention, Nick, that I saw recently is a film, <coughs> Night Shooters, which is a film. Directed by a guy called Mark Price, mm-hmm. who did a very kind of low-budget zombie film Colin. a couple of years ago, Colin, and uh, it stars Colin. former fan club uh, guest member. Ri- guest member, no, member, 
fan club member. Yes, when, I, I can't believe Thank I'm able to explain this to you. Yeah, when they join the fan, fan club, club, they, are, they members. are members. Yeah, and members for life. Members for numeral for life. <laughs> Spelt life. Um, <laughs> but pronounced life. Maybe the Y. Is that cool? Is it cool to spell life with a Y? Yeah, it's cool. We'll cut around this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it stars Richard Sandling he's in it as a villain and he's great villain in it he's a proper kind of horrible uh, um, uh, <laughs> horrible villain gangster. but he is, he is a gangster in it but he is quite kind of chilling and quite he, he kind of really goes for it and I think he does a really good performance in it and it's sort of like um, uh, Trespass or one of those kind of late night urban adventure movies where you've got a film crew who uh, witness uh, gangland murder and are then are pursued between two buildings over the course of a night and the building is about to be demolished. But I'd recommend it if you get hold of it. I think it's on various streaming platforms and DVD and things, and I'd recommend it. Um, I, <clears throat> I do want to see it, yes. obviously. Um, it's just about... I don't have the internet at the moment. Uh, that's uh, moved house. That's I've moved house. I don't have the internet. They haven't installed it. It's taken them a long time to. Uh, they they visited my house several times to do it. What do you have access to? Do you have your Do you have your Sky? I don't have Sky. Oh, no. Don't have TV. Don't have anything. So basically, I'm just oh, yeah, relying yeah. on DVDs, which is good because I'm finishing off some DVDs that I started. But um, it's just it's not ideal. I mean, imagine not having the internet. I can't imagine it. It's like living in the nineties. Yeah. Anyway, we got um oh um just had a message here from Nat saying that um she got some fan mail but you you received some fan mail but you stuck it up your ass. <laughs> oh no, sorry, it was in your junk. It was in my junk, okay. Um so um email fun club twenty seven I love the show, guys. Your show should be called Fun Club, not Fan Club. Lol. I think I made that joke a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, Nick, you are amazing. You don't need to change. But Nat, even if I do love you from the inside and out, can you please be nicer to producer? Yeah, Nat. Am I mean? It makes my heart hurt when you're mean to her. <laughs> yeah, it makes my heart hurt as well a bit when you're mean to her, Nat. Oh, I don't. Well, Nathaniel, I don't know. You probably don't realise this, but uh, you see that cunt over there? <laughs> you can be quite mean to her sometimes. Uh, anyway, I think it should improve after this, Natalie. Um, thanks for the... Oh, I'm very sorry. Five out of five. That's great. Um, to, to, uh, no, I'm not going to tease ahead. I mean, that just sounds wrong. It says teaser... She's written, tease ahead, child from uncle is coming in soon. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> the all-important word, in, was included. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, yeah, Elliot's... I don't, we don't ever tease guests. He's well, apart from in. the one that's coming in on Good Friday. The guy that's coming in on the ultimate tease. Um, the ultimate tease. What's your favourite tea? This one. PG, Tetley. Uh, I like it. I, I quite. Uh, is it PG? Uh, PG I could do. Uh, Tetley's a good tea. Um, As a film fan, uh, my favourite tea is PG. 
Yes. Uh, when uh, whenever I go around someone's house, uh, I always ask. Uh, I went around Barry Norman's house the other day. Uh, you know, you got to uh, update it. I went around. Uh, <laughs> uh, whenever Just I go, to go around, through some of his uh, belongings, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm working for his estate. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so Nathaniel came over to my house the other day. He said, uh, got any PG tips? And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, Ghostbusters is still good, but uh, uh, it should really be a 12. <laughs> yes! Uh, there we go. And um, uh, don't shake your head at me. This is what the fucking show's meant to be. <laughs> fucking hell. People say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be... Yeah. I saw... Uh, I, saw um, <laughs> I was going to go down a cul-de-sac. A career-ending cul-de-sac. Walking down Tottenham Court Road the other week, Nick, and I saw Joss Whedon. Just Whedon holding a map. And I said to him, oh, sorry, mate, are you lost? And he said, no, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I get that a lot. Brilliant. Yes. I, I do like it. I feel like you've done it before. I haven't. I haven't. Was it in your show? I've done it in... in I did it. I have done it on, on stage, in, but, but not, on, not on this show. Okay. I'm, it's too... Uh, it's pretty good. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think it's a very funny, clever joke. It's a niche joke. It's it? not. It's a, a very niche joke. It's a niche joke. Why are we pronouncing ni- nice like that now? Nice. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Um, so, we are scrolling through. I mean, this is the second pre record that we're doing in a row, and <coughs> it's only natural that we'd have run out of steam. Um, right, so. I uh, think it's still excited. For Moonrise me. Kingdom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom is a film that I saw recently uh, and then didn't really give it a lot of attention when it first came out. Right, so for me, right, uh, uh, my love of Wes Anderson. <coughs> I went to university in 1999 was the year I went to university. And as we all know, 1999 was basically the greatest year in uh, history for films. Um, I think the other one that's always regarded highly is 1983. Oh, yeah. Which was the year that Poltergeist and Star Trek 2 came out. Um, but uh, for me, 1999 is the best year in cinema. Because it was obviously the year that The Phantom Menace came out. So there was all that hype and excitement that there was a new Star Wars film coming out for the first time in uh, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, actually, um, oh, it would be 16 years. But uh, not including the Ewok adventure Battle for Endor. Or Caravan of Courage. Um, but, um, fuck <laughs> But, uh, so there was well, Star Wars. But it's the same year that The Matrix came out. Mm-hmm. And I was never really a massive fan of The Matrix. But then you go, it's the same year that American Beauty came out. Uh, always been a massive fan of uh, Kevin Spacey. Don't really read much about the stuff in the newspapers. But, it's been quiet uh, recently, hasn't it? Has done anything recently? Yeah, but I don't know. I, d- I tend to just stay in and listen to my Michael Jackson albums. Uh, but uh, So I don't really know much about current sure. events. Um, okay. So... Um, uh, can we get Kevin Spacey in? Can we get Kevin Spacey in? Apparently, yes, we can. We can. <laughs> He's already here. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, um, oh, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so, um, yeah, so the, the Fight Club, American Beauty, uh, The Matrix, Star Wars, Blair Witch Project, The Sixth Sense, Rushmore, um, Let's just get a list of all the films that came out in 1999 up, please. Um, it's really good. American Pie. Um, I don't count that as... I mean, not that it's aged badly, but I didn't really enjoy it that much in the first mm. place. So, 
Notting Hill. Just don't just type them up by hand. Just copy and paste them, please, love. So <laughs> we'll be here all bloody day with your typing. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that sounded like it was an impression of someone. It sounded like it was kind of like uh, <laughs> someone from the uh, 1970s. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So it was uh, Star, Star Wars episode one, Phantom Menace, Sixth Sense, Toy Story 2, Matrix, Tarzan, The Mummy, Notting Hill, The World Is Not Enough. Oh, I mean, some of these are shit. Oh, <laughs> America, don't just do the top ten, darling. <laughs> Come on, Hen. Come on, Hen. It's in A to Z. Well, how bloody long is that going to take? Come on, live it. Come on, live radio. Um... You do in January. <laughs> oh my sight. god! <laughs> well, we'll just talk about something else for now. Um, anyway, so uh, I think Rushmore is a fine film. It's absolutely fine. Uh, like I say, I would do anything. I would. Oh, climb hell and high water. I don't think that's the phrase, but hell or high. I will. Yeah. F- anyway, I ford every stream for those Wilson brothers. Um, I, I, I would say Rushmore was the one that I would be like. That's a five star. When I, at the time, might as well. I would have gone. Um, I think what. I think what I didn't like, not that I didn't like, I liked Rushmore. Mm. I think what it was sold as was, I think we've talked about this before. I think what, it, think was, so. I think what it was sold as in the trailers was um, two guys, both, uh, you know, uh, an old businessman and a young schoolboy that are both in love with a teacher who's probably equidistant of their ages. And they're both basically, it turns into a kind of like um, a revenge comedy where. Um, Uh, Jason Schwartzman is sending bees to uh, Bill Murray's uh, apartment and he's allergic and he gets stung and then Bill Murray goes with some uh, uh, bolt cutters and cuts up Jason Schwartzman's bike and I thought it was going to be a fairly not broad but I thought it was going to be like an art house kind of high concept kind of comedy and when I saw it I felt like there was a little bit more to unpack and it wasn't the easy night at the cinema. I really liked it and, I, and at the time I loved everything that Bill Murray did and mm-hmm. it, like even Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. and I was so excited to just see another Bill Murray film. Yeah. Um, and like one where he's actually trying because I mean we went through years if you were a Bill Murray fan basically the last good Bill Murray film before that was Groundhog Day maybe? Yeah. And in between, he'd done Larger Than Life and Osmosis Jones and oh, what was that fucking uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little? And that's bonkers when you go back and watch The Man Who Knew Too Little, a British-based <laughs> movie where he plays uh, Peter Gallagher's brother. It's just it's just fucking crazy. It's so British. Yeah, you forget about that now. The didn't main you? He guy had lots of it. like wilderness years. Didn't the main he? bad guy was Richard Wilson from One Foot in the Grave. <laughs> the main bad guy in a in a uh, Bill Murray British spy comedy. Um, it was just crazy. Um, so he did. He had a load of wilderness years, and then uh, Rushmore was sort of like his comeback. Um, and I, I, th- I guess what I thought it was going to be would be, um, oh, he was really brilliant in Kingpin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's definitely by far. But like by the time he did Kingpin, it was just like, oh, he was a bit like and uh, Bill Murray as well. It'd be like, it, but it was a sort of like um, we've got Bill Murray out of retirement to do uh, to do Kingpin. He's the best thing in Kingpin, by the way, guys. But you know, it's slightly sad to see that he's not really using his talent anymore. It was like that, you know. Yeah, he's not. He's nowhere near the star of Kingpin. He's really. He's the best thing about mm. Kingpin. Uh, Kingpin's a weird film. It's kind of like there's lots of stuff 
mm, there's lots of mm, it's um it's the tone is just all over the place like sometimes it's really like going for your heartstrings and sometimes it's just really like horrific and then sometimes it's just really you know it's funny in places but then the bit when he loses his hand at the beginning is horrific <laughs> not like it's not graphic but just uh, they don't play it for laughs or anything <laughs> like that it's like all of a sudden he's actually being maimed and it's fucking up his career and then the repercussions of that you know he was a bit of a dick and they basically um, cut his hand off he's a bowler and they cut his hand off because he was a bit of a dick and then you see the repercussions of that and his life has been absolutely ruined and he's an alcoholic and he's uh, trading sex for um, uh, his rent and all of this stuff and you just go ha 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 and it's like it's not really that funny it's kind of like really bleak and horrible and mean I think it's the, it's the problem and then there's jokes like when he takes the he goes to the Amish village and he takes the horses uh, he's told to take the horseshoes off and it's just yeah. kind of like it's really kind of like oh god they're just like horrible <laughs> jokes but um, uh, but having said that there are some really funny bits and I, would, I love Woody Harrelson um, and um, yeah no, Bill, it's an, almost an all time great performance from Bill Murray from Bill Murray um, so yeah anyway so oh I fucked up my headphones here alright so when they did um, Rushmore I was just like oh yeah and, and I didn't know who Wes Anderson was and I didn't, no, know, I didn't really know who Owen Wilson or Luke Wilson were or not that Luke Wilson's got anything to do with it other than small part but um, yeah so I sort of like went into it expecting it to be more like a high concept Bill Murray type thing and when I saw it um, yeah it was sort of a bit more art house and then when I saw two years later the Royal Tenenbaums that was when it was just like woof hmm. thought that was great and it's, and I think Royal Tenenbaums and Zoolander came out within a fairly close time to each other and uh, then it was just like um, who's this Owen Wilson guy oh I love I mean I still love Owen Wilson I think he's absolutely brilliant I think he's made a lot of shit recently totally but and so have most people who are good yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's I, I don't know what the last good film he was in was, and I think always that's a shame. Mm. Couldn't tell you what the last good film he was in. I think the weird thing about Owen Wilson is that um, what a good writer he was. Mm. Um, you know, he wrote Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Bottle Rocket, and then he, him and Wes Anderson stopped working with each other. Um, but I fucking I just absolutely um, I love those three films that they made together. Uh, but yeah, I worked backwards, so I saw. Well, I didn't. I saw Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, and then went back to watch Bottle Rocket. And Make I think it. Bottle Rocket... Um, Rushmore's my favourite. No, Royal Tenenbaums is my favourite. Uh, Bottle Rocket, I love. Second favourite. I think Bottle Rocket, I kind of don't really get it. I think it just, like, it's... I think it's totally fine. If I'd seen that, I never would be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to see what this guy does next. I think, I think it's, it's totally all fine. <clears throat> I think the problem with Bottle Rocket is it's, it, it flounders a bit. And um, it could have probably done with uh, the stuff that isn't immediately obvious in the edit that uh, when you watch the film, like what a bastard James Kahn is in it. Mm. Like, um, it's just stuff that isn't like that could have been signposted a little bit better or isn't immediately obvious. Like like characters, character names get lost a little bit, and it's a, it's a t it's slightly. Ever so slightly confusing to follow towards the end, 
that you kind of like it loses you a bit but um and maybe it could have done with a slightly bigger budget to do what they part i love it and owen wilson's great in it and then luke wilson stars in it and anything with luke wilson starring in it is not always good <laughs> <laughs> but it's always nice to see that he's given like an opportunity um yeah i love all that um and then like R- 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 rushmore was kind of like a third and then life aquatic came out and i was just like i i don't i don't really connect life aquatic's my favorite I, but what, what's weird I is I'd say not only did I not connect with it I thought it was like one of those films that someone had made for me I felt it was like like there's something about the sort of sense of humour of it which is so in tune with I don't think he's made a, a movie as good as that before or since oh, I really? think it's brilliant um, I think it's so like on the nose I think Royal Tannenbaums is like that's it it's, it feels like Rushmore at the time I would have gone five stars and then it's almost things like Royal Tannenbaums is better and yet you'd be like I've got nowhere to go with it I just think it's like it just feels like there was that those three I think got better and better and the sort of zenith of it for me was uh, Life Aquatic absolutely love it but Mm. I I mean Royal Tannenbaums I think you cannot take anything away from it because I think it's sort of it's almost like a masterpiece whereas I think Life Aquatic felt like it. when I watch it now it's like it maybe isn't as good as the first experience I had watching it, but I do think it felt like this is so on the nose for me of what I liked, like what I found funny, mm. like my sense of humour, I think. Mm. There's just some of it, I, like I, I, the first time I watched it, I was in it like, I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was like, I couldn't, I was like, this is brilliant. I loved it so much. I liked it. I mean, I did like it. I'm not going to say, oh, and then he came off the ball. But what I would say is, all the quirkiness and uh, visual stuff that Wes Anderson does that you get in Life Aquatic and you get in Royal Tenenbaums. In Royal Tenenbaums, for me, it, it, all of the, the quirkiness and like um, uh, the, the fakeness of the locations and stuff like that can be kind of distancing, mm. you know? No, uh, I get that. And I think with Royal Tenenbaums, what is genius about it is how... Uh, heartfelt and emotional that film is and it does feel very real it's much it's not gritty by any means but it's got like it does feel like you're in new york and it's in in like an alternate new york where Mm. there's like this fake cab company and it's kind of like it's 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 like a fake fairy tale not fairy tale but it's like a fake new york and um and so it's not quite real world but it's kind of like I just think visually it's beautiful but also stuff like um, when Luke Wilson meets Gwyneth Paltrow at the station and there are all of these uh, uh, sailors uh, they're like officers and they're all walking out in formation behind them in slow motion and it's kind of like he's using like visual stuff not just because it's pretty but he's actually saying something about the characters there where it's just that this beautiful moment where this guy sees this girl and he loves her and it's like and he's using his visual stuff not just to wank around and show off but because it actually means something oh I think it's I think it's amazing I think it's I think and I think it's kind of like like when I I saw Harold and Maud again recently and you just go he must have seen this film so many fucking times it really is when you see him that way around and Harold and Maud gets me every time like I cry every time and um uh, and Royal Tenenbaums is the same. Just like I cry every time at Royal Tenenbaums. I think it's great. And when Life Aquatic, I just feel like 
it's not like it's style over substance, but I don't connect to it on an emotional level. And then by the time he got to Darjeeling Limited, I felt like he was basically doing an impression of himself. It was like someone had done like a spoof Wes Anderson movie. I think that's a general consensus. I loved Darjeeling Limited, and I think controversially with Wes Anderson stuff, uh, the bit where I got to that was Moonrise Kingdom. I, w- I was really like, uh, really, and I'm sort of the same with Grand Budapest Hotel, which is another one which everyone goes. I kind, I like them, but I think I think they're all fives, and then and even I really like Fantastic Mr. Fox, which mm. people hate. Uh, I really like it. It's not it's not the same level, but I really like it. Moonrise Kingdom. I was so looking forward to seeing it, and I think Moonrise Kingdom and Grand, Buda- Grand Budapest Hotel are a bit like threes. I feel like they've just got. I feel like that's the point for me. Darjeeling Limited, I think, is brilliant. I, think I it's thought, brilliant. oh no, I thought that Grand Budapest Hotel was like a return to form. I just absolutely skipped over Moonrise Kingdom. I don't even, I didn't see it at the cinema, which is fucking nuts. Um, fantastic, Mr. Fox. I watched that on telly. I really enjoyed it. Fell asleep towards the end. Never watched the end. <laughs> and it's kind of like that's sort of like its own review, isn't it? Where, yeah. Um, I find I find that film. I mean, again, a film that I know lots of people hate that film, but I find it. I find that really moving. I, f- I find it really like I'm really sort of involved with it. Which but one? Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. Yeah. And um, well, but I, think I didn't that have that with Moonrise Kingdom so much. I found that, and it feels like I think for a lot of people that's almost Moonrise Kingdom's like their favourite. I don't think it's my favourite, but I do think that it is really well worth a revisit. Yeah, I, should, I think I've, Bruce, I'll, I'll Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis is, is great. In yeah, he really and is. And that is hard to say about a lot of Bruce Willis films lately. I like it. I like it when you have those actors who show up in his films and you go, "Hey, no, where's Anderson?" And they actually go, "Perfect for this film." Ed Norton's great in it, um, but he's the sort of person that you would imagine would be in. Yeah, a Wes Anderson yeah. film but like yeah Bruce Willis is just kind of like fucking hell and also it's a really heroic role and in a way that isn't like typical Bruce Willis being a hero mm. and it's kind of like it's something interesting for him to do it's good he's there he's he's like literally turned up for work every day like you can he's see he's present it. he's put you the work in you can see it in his eyes and um, yeah and he's a really it's a really likeable good heroic kind of nice Bruce Willis performance without it being kind of uh, diehard five and um there are diehard there are five diehards aren't there yeah, yeah. <laughs> um sort of like the, the and then he did death wish sort of like he ran i haven't seen he death ran wish the diehards into the ground like the death wish movies and then he made <laughs> death wish um that, yeah i just that. really i really anyway i really revisiting it and i really like that bob balaban is doing like all the narration as well mm-hmm. he's one of them people that if you know who Bob Balaban is, you go, oh, I like Bob Balaban. Well, that's Balaban. the thing as well, because like, like, it's that he shows up in Life Aquatic as well, doesn't he, as an insurance mm. guy. So it's all that when he shows up in that, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is all. It feels like really like, a, like it, it felt like as, watching a film, it felt like every five minutes you were like ticking a box like, yes, yes, really into this, really love all this stuff. Yeah. I also thought the story, uh, the main story between the two kids in Moonrise Kingdom was really sweet. I just loved it, actually. Um, and I was sort of like, oh, I wish, I wish I'd maybe seen it at the cinema. But I know what you mean. It, I think that, for me... Uh, I think I'm possibly being unfair. I think, I think, I think, I think Darjeeling Limited, for me, is unwatchable. I hate it. Do you know it. what? It's one I haven't really revisited it. But I remember at the time it being one of those things where... I went in with with this kind of low expectation of people going, do you know what, this one's awful, and going, oh. 
And then when I watched it, I went, what are you, what are you talking about? I loved it. But I, I think I was going into it expecting it to be much worse than it was. What I think that you get with a lot of uh, filmmakers, like, I would even put, this, put someone like Spielberg down to it, like early Spielberg, is that they tend to make the same film over and over again. Uh, and it's like they're trying to perfect their brand. And what I think in um, Wes Anderson's case, he's never remade the same film. I think they're always different. There's always a different thing behind it. I think with Spielberg, he's always like exploring the same themes. And with Wes Anderson, I feel like you have those first three or four films where, um, you know, uh, he's uh, he, a bottle rocket and then he sort of like perfects his sort of like style with a completely different kind of film with uh, Rushmore. And then Royal Tenenbaums, I think, is where that kind of like emotional uh, storytelling really comes to, like, that's it, he's nailed it. And then with Life Aquatic, you know, um, it's like he's using those special... Is it Henry Selick that did the stop motion? Yeah, yeah. And so this kind of like, it's visual, he's using special effects, it's something that's entirely different. It looks incredible. And then I think that maybe he peaked and then it was just kind of... And then he became kind of like... I think that you knew what to sort of expect from a Wes Anderson film. So it's just kind of like, yeah. And then it kind of feels like he's sort of a parody of himself a little bit. And I think maybe I got into that mindset. So when I went back and I watched Moonrise Kingdom, I was just like, oh, I wrote it off at the time, but I think it's actually, I loved it. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say it, maybe it's not, I said at the time it was maybe my second favourite, but I think that it's probably my fourth out of all of them. But um, in, in, So it goes fourth as in? Uh, Voltaire Bombs. Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Moonrise Kingdom. But maybe I liked it more than Rushmore. And then uh, uh, Life Aquatic, and then the others come kind of like... Mm. I didn't watch Isle of Dogs, but um, I I wanted to. We've got to play a song, because we've been talking for fucking ages. Uh, so we don't have to play a song. Let's play a song. But we will. Nick and Nat's Fan Club on FUBAR Radio. That was uh, Ghouls Gone Wild by Alice Cooper. Ghouls Gone Wild? Yeah, from uh, Welcome to My Nightmare, ah. which came out in 2011. Three years, four years after... I wouldn't have guessed it was a recent one. I think one. you stink that I wrote, which had obviously the most popular ghoul in school. So it's one of the... A few times he's ripped you off. I can't him. believe Alice Cooper came to see me at the, at the Edinburgh <laughs> Fringe in 2008 and then he ripped me off. One of the few times he has ripped me off and it's been that <laughs> way around. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, here's a little question for you, Nat. Yeah, go for it. Which American state is the setting for Forrest Gump? State? Oh, Washington? BC? <laughs> San Francisco? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Is it A, Alabama, B, Kentucky, C, oh, yeah, Mississippi, or D, Florida? I don't know, you know. Alabama? <sighs> yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. I don't know. Who plays the title role in fucking hell? Never seen it. <laughs> hey? Yes. This is just the sort of thing. Well, you would know this. You're a movie buff. Who plays the title role in Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp? Yes. Is it A, River Phoenix? Is it B, Sean Penn? Oh, fuck off. Is it C, Wesley Snipes? Fucking hell. Although, Wesley Snipes does have a pair of lethal hands. <laughs> As my cock and balls will testify. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I saw him at a Comic Con once and uh, he, he took a real fancy to me, but <laughs> bloody hell, his Kung Fu grip. Um, <laughs> nah, not really. Uh, so uh, I can't work out what time we've, we've got 15 minutes. So yeah, um, uh, what have you seen recently? Oof. Have we already done you? We have done. Uh, and you, right, okay, so, uh, so where's Anderson? What is he saying? Sticky Fingers of Time, 1999. Is that a reference to something? Have you got us the whole list of films? You haven't done it. You, but you haven't done it. <laughs> what else came yeah, out? Where Fight are Club? They? Where are they? Are they here? Why? You just literally do the top ten. Uh, not top ten. Do like the top 100 popular films of 1999. Just type that in. Hello, Siri. What were the top 100 uh, films of, from the year 1999? Hey Siri, what were the top 100 films of the year 1999? I don't have the answer for 2019. Oh my god, you're such a fucking cunt. <laughs> Even Siri's grinding my gears today. That's unusual for Didn't Siri. Say Siri. Hey Siri. Oh, oh no, I've accessed Siri again. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I mean, this isn't radio. Top 100 films of 1999 is the top hit. Top 100? Yeah, 1999. Okay, so that's all you needed to do. (laughs) Unbelievable, and you're, like, making it more difficult than than it's worth. So, Matrix, Fight Club, for the third time, Sixth Sense, (laughs) The Green Mile, American Beauty. Are you going to click it, or am I? The Iron Giant. You click it. Um, uh, The Iron Giant, uh, Eyes Wide... Oh, no. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, Office Space. Uh, Magnolia. Magnolia, Star, Star Wars, Wars, The Phantom Menace, uh, Insider, Toy Story 2, 10 Things I Hate About You, American Pie, Being John Malkovich, Galaxy Quest, uh, The Mummy, Blair Witch Project, Dogma. I mean, all of the, I mean, n- not just like um, a good year for cinema, but like all of the filmmakers th- that were popular at the time were coming out with stuff. You know, you, you had like. Um, uh, Man on the Moon, Dogma. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith, Smith was making a film. Um, fucking Spike Jones was making a film. The Wachowski brothers were coming out and uh, uh, making the Matrix. October Sky. Have you ever seen October Sky? No, I don't even remember it's it. It's a really good film uh, uh, with the young Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Notting Hill. Boys Don't Cry. Girl Interrupted. Deep Blue Sea. Sleepy Hollow. Existence. Existence. Mystery Men. Big Daddy. Um, Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Three Kings. Uh, I mean, this is insane. Tarzan. Disney came out of Tarzan. Any given I don't Sunday. think I've ever seen Tarzan. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. That's a fucking incredible film. Never seen it. Oh, Drop Dead Gorgeous is brilliant. Um, uh, the Cider House Rules. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Never, never been kissed. <laughs> that's got Luke Wilson in. Uh, uh, End, End of, of days. days. I mean, that's bad, Arnie. Um, <laughs> uh, she's all that. Thomas Crown Affair is a good movie. Uh, Boondock Saints. Stuart Little. The world is not enough. But, the, but again, on top of all of that, a Bond film came out. Yeah. Entrapment. Uh, blast from the past using the, the Seinfeld, Seinfeld font. <laughs> uh, the General's Daughter. General's Daughter. Um, Simon West directed that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Simon West is, of course. Director Con Air. The co- uh, he, d- he directed Con Air, the second Tomb Raider. Or the first, the first Tomb, Tomb Raider. The first Tomb Raider. Um, 
And the general's daughter, he's my second cousin. Is he really? Mm. From the side of the family that we never talked to. Well, yeah. So, uh, you know. I heard a rumour. Well, not uh, Expendables no. 2 he directed. Oh, did he? Mm. Yeah, he, yeah, fucking, so I've never talked to him, never spoken to him. My family, uh, I, I don't know, it's, uh, there's something confusing about it. But yeah, he's my second cousin. And uh, he made the Expendables 2. <sighs> Look at that list. Van Damme. Lundgren, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Norris. You could have gone, couldn't you, if you were closer? Could have been one of them. Um, the the haunting, haunting, rubbish film, uh, but Luke Wilson. Uh, Double, Je Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy. Do you know what? Do you know what's funny about Je Double Jeopardy? The Tommy Lee Jones and Ashley Judd movie, Double Jeopardy. Hmm. Um, what's interesting about that film is there is a uh, uh, an extra, an essay supporting actor in Double Jeopardy called Bruce Campbell so whenever you google Bruce Campbell Je Double Jeopardy uh, comes up as like a film that he's in but it's not the Bruce Campbell it's just a Bruce Campbell oh. um, didn't like it I remember that what Double Jeopardy mm. it's uh, it's absolutely fine as one of those 90s thrillers that yeah you can it's, it's the second tier definitely second tier 90s thriller but like what an amazing year absolutely. 99 like uh, in actual fact it's a stronger year if you leave out some of them <laughs> but um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's really. Why are we talking about that anyway? Ninety-nine. Oh, because when I went to school and saw when I went to uni and saw Rushmore for the first time. That oh way. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, really. I guess because you sort of didn't know it at the time. Because at the time, a lot of these movies were very kind of three and four stars. But actually, they're really uh, the, the, the time has been good to them. I thought it was yeah, 1982 like, as well. Is it maybe it's, maybe it's ninety-two. Eighty-two yeah. is the one with. Uh, the thing and ET and all that stuff, isn't it? Maybe oh, yeah. it is. oh okay, this is no, pretty no, good. You're right, but this is pretty good. Uh, AC3 was uh, Return of the Jedi, Risky Business, uh, Scarface, Flashdance, The Big Chill, The Right Stuff, The Outsiders, Trading Places, The First Vacation Movie, The Hunger, Twilight Zone, The Movie, Videodrome, uh, Octopus, <laughs> Octopussy, uh, Christine, Sudden Impact, starring Clint Eastwood as. Dirty Harry, Harry. Uh, Blue Thunder, not a good film. Um, Superman Three, uh, The Meaning of Life, Cujo, Superman Three, Never Say Never Again, <laughs> Psycho Two, Sleepaway Camp, Krull. Psycho Two is an insane movie. Yeah, I saw it recently. What I've was, never seen it before. I mean, it's a really good film as it well. Is. It's it a, really Psycho is. Psycho is so much better than it has absolutely any right. Absolutely, to be. and it's a it's a decent it's a decent sequel and it's, great ending, great ending. It's actually Psycho Two is brilliant, but to think that it is basically a sequel to the greatest director of all times, greatest film, and then. 20 years later they decided 20, 23 years later because also it should have been like one of those things like don't ever do that don't do that that's sacrilegious remake it sure but don't do a sequel and then it's just like um, and you go well it's I mean it's it's, it's pretty good <laughs> it's like to, to the point where you'd be like really watchable I think sort of makes sense as a sequel I or kind of it's uh, it's a better sequel than Jaws 2 and Jaws 2 oh, yeah. is a fucking good sequel Jaws 2 is not a good sequel uh, but uh, considering that they don't need to make a sequel and Jaws is a standalone film, mm. right? But bearing in mind that they did make, you know, accepting the fact that they did make a sequel to Jaws, it's the best sequel that they could have possibly made, I think. Although, reading the Jaws 2 log, uh, 
which is a book that basically you let me it. I've read it. Details all of the jawsing. I think that the one that uh, who gave it to Jeune Schwark Schwarzschwarzoff Schwarz. Um, he directed Santa Claus the movie hmm. and Jaws too. And the original guy that were going to direct it basically Amity um, and Supergirl. Uh, and uh, the original uh, Jaws two that they basically started filming with a cast of kids. Um, oh yeah, that's right. The they abandoned one, don't they? The, 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 they they started filming Jaws two, and then they realised the producers realised uh, what they wanted actually was the same again, but different. So the the sequel to Jaws was originally based on Amity Island, and it's a ghost island. Nobody goes back there. The whole um, uh, uh, tourist trade is closed down. Everyone's really struggling to kind of like survive, and everything is like all of the colours of the island were kind of like funeral colours. So the, all the cars were black. Uh, everyone was sort of like wearing grey, and it was sort of like this really depressing kind of thing. And then, uh, and it looked visually different from the first one, and it was kind of like a different kind of tone to the first film. And then the producers started watching it, uh, watching the rushes coming in, and they were just like, and they lost uh, their nerve and basically said, no, we're going to stop production on this. And then they basically got, um, who's the writer? Gottlieb, Carl Gottlieb, Mm. uh, who was basically the writer, and he was uh, one of the mayor's assistants in the first one. Uh, he was basically in it because he was rewriting it every day. Um, and Cole Gottlieb basically wrote a sequel. And the sequel's basically, they imagined it like... Um, it's the same tone as the first film. The, ho- the the tourist trade is back up again. Everyone's forgotten about the original shark attacks. And now... Uh, uh, and they were basically, they invented this thing for it. Uh, the concept was basically... Um, if you're on the mainland, then you drive up and down in your cars. When you're a teenager, you have like your, your car and you all hang out on the mall and you go to the burger joint on a Friday night and you eat burgers and milkshakes and you just all hang out and it's like that. But what do you do if you're on an island? Well, they do the same thing, only on like little boats. And that was the thing that they completely constructed with Jaws too. And... Um, and it works really well. And you go, yeah, it's the same but different. But what Jaws 2 really lacks is Quint and Richard Dreyfus. And basically, Jaws... Um, I mean, I like I like Roy Scheider. Roy mm. Scheider, what was the film that he... He was contractually obligated to make Jaws 2. So he didn't want to make it. He tried to get out of it, That's tried right, to do everything. Yeah. He was a real prick on, on set. He was just rude to people. He sunbathed all day. He... Uh, he only he only you know worked when he had to. Got into a fight with the director. It's kind of like you know. I'm sure that it's got more complicated. There's other versions to it than that. But basically, he was meant to make um, like three films for Universal. That's how they got him to do it in the end, wasn't it? They, they signed him up for other stuff. Or so or they gave him like, if you do this, you can kind of do all these. He turned down something incredible. Can't remember what the film was he turned down, but he turned down something incredible. And he'd had a couple of flops. He did sort of like, uh, was it New York, New York? Oh uh, yeah. And um, the sorcerer. No, what was that? Sorcerers, is it? So um, the freaking one, is it? I think he did that. But he made, basically made a couple of flops and he was due to be in something that was quite high profile and he turned it down and they said, right, and he wanted to get out of his contract and the only way that he could get out of his contract was by doing Jaws 2. So um, he did it, but he did not want to do it. And it does, it does let those other characters, but basically considering the fact that 
when you look at how bad Jaws 3 is and how awful Jaws the Revenge is and then almost every shark movie since I mean what have you done is this something that came out in 1989 also directed Jaws 2 also directed oh, oh Hercule and Sherlock a film about crime solving dogs <laughs> Grand Larceny I mean it, was it worth pausing my flow my Jaws 2 flow no it's, um, it's, mm. Where was I? Just look, at, just look at my notes. Here. Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws, Jaws 3D, Jaws, Jaws 3. Jaws 3. Jaws, Jaws, Jaws 3D. And was going to be called, called Jaws, Jaws 3, People 0. Yeah, it was going to be a comedy. Was it Joe Dante again? Uh, they wanted for it. Mm, I don't know. I mean, Joe Dante went off to make Piranha. It was going to be a comedy, wasn't it? it was going, well, I guess it was going to be like Gremlins 2. He basically said, oh, it's, Jaws has got so ridiculous now. There's been so many sequels. And then, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like there's been one sequel. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make another Jaws film, and it's going to be called Jaws 3, People Nil. And uh, then they started making it, and they said, no, that's ridiculous. So they made it in 3D with Lewis Gossett Jr. in it instead. Dennis Quaid is one Dennis of the Quaid, kids. Dennis uh, Quaid, Tom, uh, Leah Thomas. Thompson. Thompson. I mean, she didn't make enough films. Not enough films. Not enough films. There was um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 3. Space Camp. Howard and Aubrey the Hero. Howard the Duck. Mm. Some kind of wonderful. Leaving Las Vegas. She wasn't in Leaving Las Vegas. It was Elizabeth Shue. was, yeah. Mind you, Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> she didn't make enough films. Adventures in Babysitting. Karate Kid. Uh. Cocktail. Uh, but then, yeah. oh, of course, Leah Thompson was in Red Dawn. Oh, casual sex? Question mark. Also starring Andrew Dice Clay. Not a bad film. Not a bad film at all. Can I take my headphones off? <laughs> <laughs> and Dennis the Menace. That's me. <laughs> um, Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, she's got the best line in that, doesn't she? She goes, uh, I want... She plays a French maid, and she says to... Who's the guy that plays um, Ernest? Oh, Jim... Jim Varney. Varney. And she says to Jim Varney, I want happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and he excuse me? <laughs> uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's, uh, that's taken a... What was the sequel that we were talking about before Jaws 2? Mm. It's as good as Jaws 2 was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did we get on to Jaws 2? Went off on a fucking massive diatribe. Oh, what the thing the that was as good as, as Jaws, good as two. Jaws 2. Was. What was it? Anyone? Anyone listening to anything <laughs> we're saying in there? Thing that was as good as Jaws 2 was. We've got to get the guest in. We've got to play a song and get the guest in. But what was the fucking song that we were fucking talking about? It's a film. What was the film? What was it's it? As good as. Um. It wasn't Piranha. No.
Arts Fan Club on FUBAR Radio. And uh, the film that we were trying to remember that we were talking about before we were talking about Jaws 2 was <laughs> Psycho 2. It's Psycho that 2, kind of show. A sequel to, that is, uh, that is m- much better than it has any right to be to a classic that is untouchable. Like, imagine doing a sequel to The Untouchables. <laughs> I think there was a sequel to The Untouchables. They were thinking of doing a sequel to The Untouchables uh, starring Elliot. Uh, Kevin Costner is an older Elliot Ness oh, really? based on the comic book Torso anyway we're now joined <laughs> in the studio by professional actor Rebecca Staten well done that's exactly how you say it thank you very much thank it was you very much do you know what it was for me. it was spelt phonetically on our thank screen you. but I would have said it like that anyway what do people say Staten Staten Island I think uh, that, that had something to do with it it's not even spelt the same as Staten Island thanks mate it's yeah. Staten, it's Staten, it's Staten. Staten. I would have said Staten. Well, thank you. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Staten, but would you mind <laughs> staying for 55? <laughs> yes, I would. Thank you. Yes. 55 minutes, that is. 55 minutes. 55 minutes. Yeah, I'm up um, for it. So uh, what, you're in a, a show at the moment called Home? Yeah, on Channel 4, 9.45pm Tuesdays. Uh, and how's that going? Well, it's going very well. We're rather proud of it, you know. Mm. It's not very easy making a funny show about things that are current issues sure but i think we did yes mm-hmm. have you seen it i haven't seen it yet i've moved oh, that's ha- great. I, I moved house in uh what two weeks ago so i can make it up no what internet. it's about now i've seen it though so I've too seen bu- it. I've tough seen it. luck oh. i saw a trailer for it and i thought it looked really great i'm not in the trailer much though no i know <laughs> i'm sort of uh, so I feel surprised bad for you. to see you um, <laughs> yeah because i didn't even know you were in it tra- no, tra- <laughs> the trailer made it look really great and it's like one of those things where you go oh wow that looks interesting it's de- totally different from what i was expecting yeah. it to be like um, good but it is funny i think you can make well i think you should make yeah right but um yeah but yeah. it is also you just think is oh, i remember i did a tv series a couple of years ago and they were like really pushing it we talked about brexit right and i was just like but no one's going to want to talk about brexit by the time this comes out wow. <laughs> and little did i know <laughs> yeah fucking three years later and everyone's still fucking going on i mean we you love a bit of brexit do don't you, of, you? Do you well he voted uh, <laughs> he voted leave <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, um, no, he didn't. We actually mentioned Brexit just once mm. in the show, and then and then we leave it. But that's what I think is difficult about making um, making because if it's uh, making TV, the way you have to sort of like predict yes. what the climate's going to be like in yes. in in, uh, in the future. Which, of course, you can't. But what's really nice about our show is that. It's the first time I've been involved with something that's talking about something that is actually happening, happening. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, credit to Channel 4. They got it out. We were filming this in November. Right. You know, so it, oh, it's wow, come, that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so they've really turned it around so that we are part of the conversation. And um, mm. that's quite exciting, actually. Yeah. Does it feel like the kind of thing that you're worried might have a shelf life, though? Would there be a thing where you're like, what about if you do a series two or a... Uh, no, I'm not worried about that because Rufus Jones, who writes it, is so smart. Don't tell him because it'll just go to his head. But yeah, he's really clever, and he will absolutely be able to uh, navigate all that. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. And also, uh, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about current issues. Yeah. And so, when they change, so does the storyline. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I just want to assure anyone who's tuned in, you're in <laughs> safe hands. You don't want to. Uh, 
<laughs> you don't want another Rambo 3 on your hands where uh, <laughs> Stallone is fighting the Soviets and making friends with the Taliban only uh, for 1988 to happen and uh, US-Russian uh, relationships are uh, uh, slightly repaired and the, the, the film looks a little bit old hat. You don't um, want that, You don't want you another do Rambo 3 that. on your hands, that's all I'm saying. Do you know what? Um, I don't think I would have got in it. No. I just don't think I'm their type of girl, <laughs> the Rambo 3 chaps. I don't know. I don't know. They don't have any girls in those, do they? Yes. Do they? Oh, yes. Are they holding up boards like this? Mm. <laughs> no. no. That's Rocky. No. Oh, that's, that's Rocky. That's, you're thinking of Rocky. I am. I am. <laughs> they all just merge into one, to be fair. Oh, we've got I another one of these guests on. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> oh, I want to know more about those. Uh, um, <laughs> let's just say they think Darth Vader's in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds um, like me. So, um... Uh, here's a quick question for you. Yeah. Uh, which year does Marty travel to in Back to the Future Part 3? Oh, I haven't got a clue. That's quite a difficult one. That is a really hard one. Have you got another one? Uh, no, but I've got multiple choice. Oh, yeah, multiple choice, yeah. Is it A, 1895, B, 1935, mm. C, 1955, or D, 1885? I'm going with D, 1885. Fucking hell, how did you know that? Because I started to remember the train, the costumes. It's, it's a cowboy yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for you. Thanks very uh, much. You seem surprised. Well, no, because you, you seem to be completely <laughs> bewildered by the question. Well, I was then, a little bit. And then you got it absolutely right. Probably because people don't expect to have trivia. Well, on them. not really. Well, but you got it right, so you get another one. Yes. What is the surname of Bruce Willis's character in D- Die, Die Hard? Hard. Oh, Multiple choice, yeah? Yeah. Come on. Is it A, McLean, B, McKenzie, C, McIntyre, or D, McLeod? I'm sorry, I've started to get thrown because I remembered my CDT, CDT teacher, that's not easy to say, was called Mr. McLeod. It's made me start to think more about D than I want to. I'm going with B. I should have gone with D, shouldn't I? Do you think he's called Mackenzie? Uh, maybe I don't, Nick. What, what do I think, Nick? There's five <laughs> films with that character in. I know, but I'm so tired. Six, if you include Loaded Weapon Part 1. Um, <laughs> Loaded Weapon. And I do, and I do. Um, I what, do. Loaded what, Weapon Part 1 is what's canon. The what's the answer? It's A, John McLean. His name's oh, McLean. That's, uh, that's fine. So, um, how long have you been acting? Um, since I was young, basically. And how did you get into it? I got into it because I've got two older brothers and it was essential that I stuck out. Where were you born? I was born in Leek in Staffordshire. Oh, oh, um, my family oh. are from Stone. Oh, really? Yes. Stone? Stone. That's so mad. Is so, it near? Yeah, it's, well, it's near-ish. I mean, the thing about Stone is it's near Stafford and Stafford is near where my folks are now, Great Haywood. There you go. Yeah. Well. I'm really happy about that. I feel like I like you more now. Oh, <laughs> um, that's weird. What was your opinion I'm before? I'm instantly likable. Right, okay. I, like, I like him I'm, more. I'm an instantly okay. likable guy. Uh, I think so you're concealing weird. that in your voice, that's then, what, Nick. That's what people say about me. They say, okay. Nick, you're so likable and brilliant. And it's weird that it's uh, taken a bit of uh, uh, historical geography to... Uh, but you are not from there? I'm, Have you ever been? My mother is from Stone, Staffordshire. Oh, so my, where are you from? My father is from uh, Evesham, in, Evesham. Uh, and uh, I am from London. So where were you born? Finsbury Park. Really? Well, I was born in Bart's Hospital, so I'm a Cockney. 
Technically a cockney. Technically wow. a cockney. But with a bit of Staffordshire thrown in. Uh, yeah. But Reassuring. I lived, I lived with some people from Plymouth when I was at university and I absorbed their accent as well. Mm-hmm. So I talk with a bit of a West Country accent sometimes. But this isn't about me. No, it's about me. And it's how did I get into acting? <laughs> how did you and get And the thing acting? is, I'd love to come up with something really, really interesting to say about that journey. But basically, I wasn't very good at anything else. And I... Oh, applied. that's impossible. No, it's true, mate. It's true. What I about really CDT? Wasn't. I was quite good at CDT. What is CDT? He He was so good. He basically did my work for me. I was very persuasive at making teachers do my work for me. But what is CDT? CDT. Craft design technology. Oh, so was it like a bit of woodwork, a bit of like gluing bits of perspex together? I made a fish that was in some wood and you sort of like use these tools to kind of carve out the fish so that the fish emerged from the wood as it were. Well, that's like uh, Rambo Three, where uh, <laughs> I thought that we didn't we didn't create this uh, monster. Uh, we just chipped away at the edges until he appeared. Is that a real quote? Well, from Rambo Three, he uh, <laughs> Colonel Troutman goes up to Rambo Three, who's at a Buddhist monastery, and uh, Colonel Troutman goes up to Rambo. Rambo's retired; he doesn't want any part of uh, of uh, never the, does. the war anymore. He still does. He's still deeply shell shocked from Vietnam and the events of uh, Rambo Two, uh, Ram- Rambo First Blood Part Two. Um, so now we're in Rambo Three, which is technically uh, <laughs> which is technically Rambo Two First Blood Part Three, because the original Rambo isn't called Rambo. It's called First That's Blood. Right. And when you get to Rambo, which uh-huh. is actually First Blood Part 4, Rambo, I mean, it gets confusing. Anyway, they're making Rambo 5 at the moment. Right. So Colonel Troutman goes up to Tibet, uh, and uh, Rambo's been all Zen, John Rambo, uh, uh, with all the Tibetan monks. Right. And Colonel Troutman uh, tries to get him to come back and fight the Russians by saying, you know, he tells a story about, he, this is it, he goes, uh, there was an artist who was a sculptor, and he got a big bit of rock. And he chipped away at the rock until he created a wonderful statue. And everyone used to, uh, everyone came to him and they said, How did you create such a beautiful statue? Mm -hmm. And he said, The statue was always there within the rock. I just chipped away and revealed it. I thought you were going to say, Mr. McLeod did it. You were always a killing machine, Rambo. But we just chipped away. And revealed it, or something like that. I mean, yeah. that's like I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, but uh, um, uh, have you seen moving. Rambo? I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have at some point, but I, I don't have that kind of impressive um, brain that retains films sure. like boys have. First club. Uh, some girls have, uh, fir- but first, uh, mainly boys. Uh, first Blood is the only genuinely good one. Anyway, uh, I don't think it's a gender thing. I think it's just whether you're interested in that sort of no, thing. No, I love film. Don't get me wrong. What it's useless just, facts do you have, though? Uh, not many. This is what, I don't have that sort of brain. I've got a visual brain. Like, I can remember uh, meeting somebody. Uh, that's no use in this conversation, but that is really <laughs> nice in life. Tell us about sure. a time when you remembered meeting someone. <laughs> <laughs> See? Not useful at this point. Not impressive. Not good on... I don't know if this is impressive, though, is it? Oh, it's quite impressive. I like it. Okay. I don't think it's impressive. It's good. I mean, I just love that journey you took me on. Oh, really? I mean, not in a sexy way. No, no, of but course. But just in a listening way. Um, but I through th- the years. I, I think our listeners will disagree. Okay. Uh, but they're very familiar with the beats yeah. that I just well, took you through. Right. Everyone knows what Colonel Troutman said to Rock <laughs> Rambo at the top of that mountain <laughs> in Tibet. Um, I'm, telling, I'm telling you things you already know. Um, 
How did we get onto that? You were always <laughs> natural. CDT. CDT. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I did try to link it in. I did, um, I did. Um, yeah, so wasn't good at anything else. And uh, then... So was it school drama? Was that what it no, was? No, I, I went to a very... I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening, Walt Garston, but you were a shit school. <laughs> and, um, and you didn't have any drama. We, oh. There was yeah. no drama. No, we, we did the... We did the I don't even think they did the GCSE. Yeah, they dropped the GCSE the year before I did it. Oh. oh I always yeah. found, I, I mean, I, I went to, a, uh, I think I went to a good school, but I did not enjoy school. Right. And it was very, uh, it's, uh, when I left, it became art status. But when I was there, it was very sporty. Right. And I was shit at sport. And right. if you're not good at sport, then you are a fucking outcast and people, you know, yeah. you're, persecuted and it's just like yeah I'm no good at rugby and I'm no good at hockey and I'm no good at basketball I'm no good at football and no good at running and any of that stuff but I was good at drama so I used to hide in drama Mm. and then that's what that's what that's how I but if you didn't even have drama what the fuck were you doing I did art I was doing art yeah yeah and and I just I remember really feeling like um, I might have got it wrong you know that belief that I wanted to be an actor and I could do it I, I do. I did have like, these doubts going. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I'm not going to go anywhere. So, what was anything. your experience of it then? So, you weren't doing it at school. So, what what made you go? Oh, I I am this. Thank you, Nat. That is a good question. So, I had a, a neighbour. I think who took pity on me because I just stood in the garden, sad. I mean, <laughs> not maybe not that sad, but yeah, stood in the garden, and she was like, "There's a drama group going on in Stafford near Stone, mm-hmm. um, and uh, my daughter goes. Uh, maybe we can take you." And then I met this really amazing director there called Julia Stafford Northcote. And she went, you know what? I think you're great. And then she started casting me in shows and then I started going to those groups. And that's where I gained confidence. And do you feel like that you were always an actor and this drama teacher <laughs> just yeah. brushed away, away and found the edges? It. And, yeah. <laughs> we're, I'm not sure, you know. Away. I'm not sure. I think, I think I liked showing off. In, taking that question seriously, I think mm. I really liked showing off. And then, and then uh, I, I sort of saw through what she was doing that actually I could make a career out of that. Mm. It's a leap of faith, though, isn't it? Totally. Uh, and it's quite weird if you're not confident. Like, school didn't make me confident. So to then have confidence that I was going to be... A, a good actor was just a bit alien. Yeah, but also, but um, you did have that self confidence. There was something quietly, yeah. There was a quiet little voice going. I'm pretty good at this. Do you know what I wonder what it was? I just want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, and this is my only ticket out. Were so you noticeably better than other people you were with at uh, acting? Hmm. I think so. But again, there was no play to to test it out. That's crazy because I mean, my whole. My whole career, my whole life, where I am today, is all because of school drama. Wow. Because our teacher took us to Edinburgh in 97, mm. and I did the Edinburgh Festival. And then through that, I did the Edinburgh Festival every year until I started doing stand-up comedy, then did stand-up comedy, and then I got a sitcom, and then I do, do acting now. Always wanted to act, but didn't know how to, so I started writing. And you know, everything is from school drama. Yeah. The fact that you've got this far without having that as a fucking basis. But then I guess... But then I've got to credit Julia Stafford-Northcote and her lovely group, because without people like her running groups and letting working-class kids like me come for free, which yeah. is what she did, um, I, I really would not be sat here. I, I, I think I recognised quite quickly that that was my ticket out of there. And I, and I jumped on it. But that's a very huge motivation, isn't it? Yeah. To be like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. 
And the, sorry, I, everyone back home, because you're all lovely, but I didn't want to be there. It's a, such a common uh, uh, human response to your... I mean, it's Luke Skywalker, isn't it? It is. Looking up at the twin twin sons, sons. of Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, wishing to be anywhere but where he is now. That's the, but that's it. It's a, it's a tailor's older time. To be in a place where you don't want to be, it's nothing personal with the other places. And some people are happy there and some people aren't happy there. And it's about finding your own path. But also, I don't think it's because I thought I was better than there or I just knew I didn't fit. And I wanted to go and find the people with whom I would fit. Mm. And the moment I spent time with people who like writing or people who like comedy, people who like films even though I couldn't quote them, I'd just enjoy them doing the quoting. <laughs> um, I felt home. You found your tribe. I felt oh. home, Channel 4, 9.45pm Tuesdays. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Very good yeah. at this. Yeah. Very good you at are this. natural. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it feels like you have fallen into comedy in a big way, right? Yeah, because I, 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 obviously went to RADA. I mean, RADA... The How did you get into RADA? Um, I, I knocked on the door. Um, they let me in then I auditioned <laughs> <laughs> um, I was 17 they don't tend to take 17 year olds but they they took me and uh, I Were got you a scholarship too young they let me in is it like but is it university age is it uh, yeah 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 I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of later in the year I'm a June baby so mm. you see okay. how that worked out mm. um, yeah so I was, I was young when I went um, and I'm boring myself no. no, that's what you're here to do. You're Good. here to bore yourself. Uh, yeah, so they let me in. And the RADA training is quite uh, specialised in Shakespeare and poetry. Classical. Classical. It's a classical training. Um, and uh, what happened was, was that I did a big drama called State of Play. That was the first thing I did. Oh, I remember uh, State of Play. Which is really amazing. The TV State of Play. The TV was it State Paul of Abbott? Play. Paul Abbott. Nice. There you go. And um, That was good, actually, It was it? really good. It just reminds me. Keep talking. I've just got to look something up. Yeah, state of play, and um, and then a couple of years later, I auditioned for this show called Pulling, and I got it, and uh, and that was my first comedy. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, so about even when you were... the bar high, there you go. That's where I started with those guys. And Amazing. so, it feels like. Have you? Is it more a career thing where it just happens to be that that group? then see you and cast you again I, I and think again. That's what I think that's what chose me. Although, in fairness, I haven't worked with any of those people again, so, <laughs> no. Furious. I think people saw me... No, not furious. Bad people. No, that's right. Go, that's no, they're, right. Particularly go, they're particularly gorgeous. Terrible people. <laughs> but, no, they just their work attracted the attention of other people and then... You know. So there was no I've just turned back in. What, who are these assholes that you're talking about? <laughs> the guys from Pulling, oh. Sharon Hawke and... Oh, what? Sharon Hawke and Tanya Franks and Dennis Kelly. Best I in see. the biz. Love them. Love We're reading between the lines, though. Yeah, you ah. boys are really good at that, yeah. right? Um, yeah. uh, but that's what being an... Uh, I just find acting is so... Um, like, you've got a job, and it's great. Yeah. And then you've got to get another job. Yeah, and it's do. and it's not like, oh, this is... Oh, I am a, this level actor, mm. you know? It's kind of like you can be kind of like um, a main part in one thing or a supporting part in another thing mm -hmm. or number 32 on the call sheet on another thing. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like... it's uh, And also, you make 
great friends with people on the production that you're doing and if you're lucky enough to I'm just filming a second series of something now and uh, we've come back for a second and it's like you're all back again but I've done so many first series of stuff that's never had a second series mm. and it's kind of like it's such a weird career isn't it? Mm. It, it, it is strange you definitely um, you've got to like not knowing what's mm. going to happen um, and not like things safe You've mm. got to be into that because that is what the that is what it's like. Well, I mean, in the same the work is waiting, isn't it? Hundred percent. I, I I feel like I've got a lot in in common with a taxi driver more than anyone else because hmm. we both spend most of our time waiting to do, especially a London cabbie, waiting to do what we want to do, mm. which is in their case drive, in my case act. Mm. Um, but I can remember just uh, connecting to something you were saying then. I was the lead in a, a great show called Raised by Wolves on Channel Four. Mm-hmm. And then a few few weeks later, I was a very, very small part in a massive American film. And I'd got used to being number one. And by that, I... People I'd, giving you umbrellas. People holding an umbrella over yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. for example. Or, you know, caring that I'd eaten or, or that sort of thing. But I can remember, like, getting in the makeup room. And um, I walked in. Hi, hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Rebecca. And they literally looked at me like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're, you're only a small part. Like, the, the faces were aghast and, and I was... Isn't bit, that just being polite anyway, though? Right? So then I felt really embarrassed. So it felt back to square one, mm. back to day one of like, right, I'm not saying anything now. Mm. And then they started to talk about me like I wasn't there. So mm. they do things like going, what are you going to do with her hair then? Well, I'm not sure. And it was just so vulnerable making. And I thought, what is this job like? Absolutely. One day you're up, the next you're down and, uh, you know. So try so playing uh, Ramesh Rangan, Nathan's best friend in his sitcom, Fucking Hell. Hey. Never felt like more of a failure. Guess Carry what, on. guess what, guess what? Yep. The director of Home is the director on your show, is he not? What, David? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. David Sant? Yeah. Is that his name? Sant? David Sant, yeah. David. Do you know what I call him? Do you know what I call him? Do you know what I call him? What? Ham. Oh, oh fucking hell. Somebody came up to him and said, uh, call him Ham. Yeah, is that, that you? was my message. Why'd you call him Ham? I call him Ham because uh, we were coming up with Who names. Who was it? Sean, Sean Gibson? Yeah, it was. Right, I, yeah. I, I told to send the message. Great, great. It got sent. It did get sent. Um, so on one day of filming, it turned out that lots of the crew members on home were called Katie. And my character was called Katie. So David's coming over and he's saying, so Katie, what do we want to do? And then it wasn't working because then continuity Katie was thinking he was talking to her and it got very, very confusing. I said, give me a new name, just a special name. And he went, hmm. Uh, and I went, well, I'm quite saintly, aren't I? You could name me after a saint. And he went, Teresa. Yeah, Teresa. So he called me Teresa for the whole job. Loved it. And then I said, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a saint name as well. So tell me what it is in Catalan, uh, St. James. Tell me what that is. And he said something, and I was like, brilliant. So every day I was calling him St. James, St. James, St. James. And then after about a week and a half, he went, Teresa, why are you calling me ham? And I've been calling him jamon, which is <laughs> like Catalan for ham. Oh, jamon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's why he's called ham. Uh, do you know the other thing about David Sant? No. He was the voice of Pingu. <gasps> No. Yeah, I did know that. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's directing you, and then you just say, come on. Do I'll do what you tell me to, but just do the fucking voice. And then he'll do it, and then you go, all right, you can get what you want out of me now. <laughs> do, you, do, you talk, do you have that voice all the time? It's quite surprising with, with his real-life voice and the Pingu thing. They're, they're, they're miles apart. Yeah. But is that not a, a sort of treated voice, the Pingu voice? No, that's his, he does it. Mm, I love what you did there. What's okay. that? I don't know. I've for never done it before. For listeners, it's a sort of gesture. It looks like going clicking. It's yeah, like it looks clicking like clicking. Without clicking. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've just got to say now, if, you, if you're doing a thing that looks like clicking without clicking, it's absolutely fucking useless for the radio, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Once again, I'm absolutely bewildered by you. <laughs> Let's um, uh, you've got a song, right? Let's uh, let's play. Well, when, when you say I've got a song, I, I'm not going to sing it. You've got a song out, uh, <laughs> yeah, Rebecca. You got a song. Out. So you're going to sing us a song? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so let's pick your uh, favourite song that you've brought, that you've suggested. Is it your favourite song? It's a song I love very much. Yeah, it's difficult to <laughs> difficult to. Uh, I'll tell you what it is. Sometimes choose your favourite song. This song is the D- song I have. Introduce it without saying what it is. I will. This song is a song I have as my alarm to go to work. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so this, when this kicks in, it's got quite an interesting intro. Uh, I know that I've got, like, you know, a minute to go to the loo, have that last glug of coffee and go out the door. This is what I go to work to. Um, it better I'm be just, the track I'm I want. That's all I'm telling you. Better not be something else. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Dearly beloved... We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Uh, Hi, then you're in the car. Uh, I'm in the car, in and the, I am alive. Back in the room. I'm on fire. I'm ready to go crazy. Just, um, <laughs> oh, just. So that's what you just. That's when you feel like you're in work. Just setting. I used to find this song for my alarm. Yeah. Is that the one? That'll be it. Yeah. Listeners, if you're wondering what's happening, I'm teaching Nick how to choose a song for his alarm so that he can do what I do with "Let's Go Crazy." Brilliant. Yeah, I've done it. Touch too much. I didn't know I had that on my phone. <laughs> Uh, leads me to wonder about some of the other things I've got on my... No, I'm not going to go down that route. So, uh, what were we talking about? Um, we were talking about the song. And, and alarms. You, and alarms, yes. No alarms and no surprises. And please. I was saying that that wasn't it. No. <laughs> Could have been. Which would you, what would you choose now that you know what Well, as to go into work. Yeah, you need to f- have something energising. That's, that's my tip. That is. I think uh, going to work is just me panicking about forgetting things and then oh. running out of door. I don't think I'd have that. I think I'd want something reassuring, like really right. slow. Right. Going, just calm down. It's do you fine. panic? Do you panic? When you have to yeah, leave well, I just house? have to leave the house. I'm, in, I'm late or something. I'm, I'm always, always late. late. I'm yeah. always late. I leave when I have to be there. I know, Nick. And I do it all the fucking time. <laughs> I know, but it's... Uh, 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 and then, uh, then about 20 minutes later. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, but it's it's all down to anxiety. It's, so, it's a mental health issue, so you have to allow it. <laughs> Hang on. But you're anxious, so mm. why don't you give yourself an hour? What, to get out? No, leave an hour before you need to be where you need to be. Because I don't want to leave. At all? No. Okay. There's nowhere I want to be more than where I'm at. Okay. And that could sound positive, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darling. So you've got it on your phone. Yeah. And you're buzzed off. Yeah. Buzzed off? <laughs> buzzed right off. <laughs> <laughs> I find that deep, but do you have that so then did you, so. I'm sorry I'm still buzzed off let's buzz myself off I mean that's worse <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. I've got a landline so I'm just going to phone myself guys <laughs> oh we need to talk 
Don't we? That's how radio works. Not on this show. It doesn't really matter. Oh, no, <laughs> matter. Do, they not, do they not mind if it goes quiet? No. No, the listeners actually prefer it. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, what is your... Um, I don't ever know how to get into this. Mm-hmm. But what are you a fan of, Rebecca? I'm a fan of all things Japan. I don't know why I said it like a twat. Well, it's, it's good because it was a rhyme, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That's why I went with it. It was. Yeah, it's good. I it's like. Nice. I like a rhyme. It's not offensive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me. And not all rhymes have to rhyme. No, shock. That's poems. So, um, <laughs> so um, yeah. So you're a big fan of Japan. Have you been to Japan? I've been to Japan. So I think I, I think I did like it before I went because it prompted a trip. 2006 is when I went out there, mm-hmm. and my friend was working at an international school as a teacher. So we got to be there. My friend Nikki and I went out to meet Steffi, who was the teacher, and we went for about three and a half weeks. Um, and That's a proper it, holiday. Yeah, then. it was amazing. And I went to Tokyo and I went to Kyoto. And I mean, I was pretty obsessed with like geishas and stuff like that. I was really into it and, and I was curious about the culture and I loved the food. So that was enough to get me to want to go. Food. Mm. The food. Okay. Yeah, so but did food. you like the food before you went there, right? Um, yeah, I did. I did. But so then then I really, I really fell in love when I was out there. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of the food that we, you, the uh, Japanese food that you get here. Yeah. It's kind of a, sli- it's a slightly more westernised version. Absolutely. And yeah. when you get out, because my sister did uh, TEFL course um, when she was, uh, I think she went to Kyoto. I think she's in oh, Kyoto. Cool. I, I didn't have any money at the time. Um, but so my parents went out and visited her over Christmas one year and left me alone. Um, and you didn't go? I couldn't go. But do you, gr- do you regret it now? It was the best Christmas I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I do. I, I don't. Th- I'd like. I don't think it was my only opportunity to visit Japan. But I would have liked to have gone and visited my sister while she was out there. But my parents—they're not. They're quite adventurous and they're quite outgoing. But I think. Um, sushi is a thing that they probably struggle with, and I right. think that when they were in Japan. I don't think my dad would ever, ever, ever choose to eat sushi. Right. But when they were there, there were things that they actually really struggled with. Oh, um, right. Like uh, on a psychological level. Right. <laughs> right, because it was still moving. Um, I just think I, I wasn't there. I did have, I had uh, sushi, I had Japanese food, sushi food, sushi in a uh, in New York once. And uh the texture of the seaweed that I was eating, I like, I, I must have been chewing it for five minutes. Like, I honestly couldn't psychologically get my head around the fact that I had to swallow it at some point. Mm. It was kind of, it really hit my gag reflex. But that was just once in New York. But, um, and that was seaweed. That wasn't even... The fish. The fish. But, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, so, I mean, so you loved... I love the cuisine. I love the sushi. I love... All that, bring it. There's yeah. nothing I'm not going to try. Right. Yeah, I'm up for it. I'm yeah, I'm huge on food. I'm, yeah, and that's basically my main thing. Is when people go on holiday and they come back, and I'm always just kind of like, I've got like, what was the food like? Yeah. What did you eat on the plane? <laughs> what What did you watch on the plane? <laughs> and I don't give a shit about anything else. Right. Um, and I would love to. You know, I think that the whole point of for me of going away and going on, I've never, I've rarely gone on holiday, but the whole point for me is to eat different things and to experience. Absolutely. That's and I, how you understand other cultures. Yeah, right? but what I loved about it is like there was a shop there called. Tokyo Hands and this is like in 
Harinjuku Square. So it's like like Leicester Square, right? Really, really busy. And this shop promises to sell everything. Now, no British shop would do that, but the Japanese shop will. They sell everything. So I'd go, well, bees. And then they'd produce bees. Or toilet seats. And there was an array of toilet seats. Do you know I've made up the bees? No, I love the idea of it, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it's Uh, bullshit, Nat. Let go of the bees. (laughs) She she was exaggerating. I was thinking about bees in a different way. Things with bees on. Mm. That's what I was thinking about. But I've come out with actual bees. Anyway, it's a very good shop. And Mm. they're left-handed scissors. I'm left-handed. So I was well into it. Oh, I don't even think it sounds like a bit of a nightmare. Really? Um, Yeah. What, the shop that sells everything? Yeah, because what I want is the shop that sells one thing. Oh, do you? I like, I'm looking for chests of drawers at the moment. A chest of drawers, right? And you go into a shop and they sell fucking everything and you're overwhelmed and you forget what you went in there for. And by the time you come out, and they've only got three fucking chests of drawers. But in actual fact, what you want is you want a place that just sells chests of drawers. You can go in there and you can find your perfect chest of drawers. I've got one word for you, Nick. What's that? Research. I do research. Well, have you seen the internet? You think there's a shop that sells everything? The fucking internet sells everything. <laughs> Research. That's how you start. Tell me about the drawers. What do you want them made out of? I don't know. I've just put this fucking lovely bedside cabinet, right? Right. So you've got it right once. So I want, and it's just incredible. But and I've got some beautiful curtains that goes with it. Nice. It just my whole bedroom is really getting tied together pretty well. Now the chests of drawers. I've bought some temporary chests of drawers, which weren't very expensive. And I'm basically trying to do a mix of buying because it's my first place that I own. So I'm trying to buy some actual bits of furniture that I can invest in mm. and I can go, I'm going to keep this forever mm. I'm going to mix it with some cheapest, I bought some lovely curtains from Ikea that were like 15 quid and you go, they're brilliant, they're exactly the colour I wanted, they go well with everything else and uh, because you're doing a mix of kind of very cheap stuff quite like uh, you know, mid-price stuff and a couple of like nice pieces that I've kind of invested in, mm. you get a mix and when you look at it all together you go that's lovely Right. You see, it's very much like the way that uh, they approach the special effects in the original Jurassic Park. Uh, there's some live action <laughs> stuff, there's some miniatures, there's some stop motion, there's some CGI, and there's some animatronics. And when you combine it all, it tricks your mind into thinking that's one delicious whole. That's lovely. But when you look at special effects now, it's all mm. CGI, and when you look at it, you go, CGI. Meh. Mm-hmm. But in the olden days, when it was new CGI, it tricked your brain into going, well, I don't know how they did that, and that's different. And if you change the technique that you use every time, that's how they did Titanic as well. If you change the the technique that they use every time, your brain can never catch up enough, so it still looks fresh. But to take you back to research, have you thought about reaching out to your listeners to find you the perfect chest of drawers? Hmm. Have you thought about that? Because you've got that. I think the, I can't room, do that. the room you want is there all along, Nick. But what you've got to do is keep chipping at the room oh. until the room that you want appears before you. Nick and Nat's fan fucking club fucking. on Fubar Radio. Yeah. Fucking words against me. I'm going to fucking fire you. <laughs> so, um, we. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we joined back in the studio. <laughs> With Rebecca Staten, yeah, uh, we're talking about uh, my decoration. We're talking about your drawers as opposed to what I my love, chest which of drawers. Japan. So you love Japan. Um, what yeah, sort but of, I, I'm kind of into the drawers now. Yeah, we all are. We kind of love, we kind of love now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, what are your chest of drawers like? 
My chest of drawers. <laughs> do I even have any? I don't think I have any. I think I'm I'm solely I'm solely a wardrobe girl. I've just got no storage. Right. Um, but the Japanese are great on storage. Marie Kondo. She's oh, Japanese. fucking hell. Have you watched it? Yeah. So I was packing up my house and uh, da, 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 da. and I was watching it on Netflix <laughs> da, 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 da. and uh, I had a bit of a breakdown. Um, da, 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 da. Can you not make light of that? Da, 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 da. <laughs> You've got the Marie Kondo blues, haven't you? I'm upset. Um, so what's, what's annoying about the show is that I watched it all in one go because yeah. I was packing all my I stuff mean, up. A- and, Eight, yeah, maybe maybe, eight, yeah. maybe six or eight, but there's the, maybe yeah. more than six because there's, there's the, that was the couple with the kids, and then there was the older couple. I feel like it's eight episodes. Yeah, I think that's. A and I made this on actually Netflix. Netflix. Uh, I maybe watched a couple, and then I watched the rest. Yeah, and um, because she's Japanese, yeah. she will often speak in Japanese, and they'll subtitle it, and yeah. it's normally when she's giving the best bits of advice. Yeah. And if you're actually uh, <laughs> if you're actually getting rid of a bunch of your stuff, what what, what do you At call the it? Time. I'm decluttering yeah. while it's on in the background. Yeah, the Condé Marie mes- method. So I miss out all of the great bits of advice because it's in <laughs> Japanese and I can't speak Japanese and I'm not looking at the screen. I'm right. getting rid of baby photos. So there's a tip for you when you watch it. Watch it. You've got to watch it. You can't do it while it's on in the background. No, You've no. got to fucking watch I don't know, it and then I, do it. Like uh, my house is all clutter. Is it? Yeah, but I quite, you know, I don't want someone saying throw. Like, I know. No, no, no. You watch out. it. Give, give, give an episode a go. I thought the best one for you would be the guy with the baseball cards. Yeah. And yeah. he had all, he had like box and box of baseball cards. And what he learned was that he didn't need all of the baseball cards. He just wanted to uh, love the ones that he loved. And then everything else was just like. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm more like that. So and I, I thought think. that that was good because you just like go, I'm like that with DVDs. I'm just like, I think one day when I'm dead. I'm going to be the guy that has the DVD. I talked about this the other day, right? No. Oh, fuck. I just, like, I've got so many DVDs. It's right. like, you know, I'm going to be basically, uh, my DVD collection will be used to kind of, like, piece together humankind, you know. Oh. And then you go, actually, just get rid of your DVDs. So the, the words that you need are spark joy. So Marie Kondo actually wrote a book that I read first a couple of years ago because mm. it was Japanese. And I like the cover and I was right in there. Mm. And you have to hold the object and it doesn't matter what the object is, but does it spark joy? Does it make you feel good? So you actually have to pick it up and go, yeah, what, how do I feel do. about this? Yeah, you absolutely have to, with everything. Yeah, I do think that that level of it is bullshit. Yeah, I'm sure you do, you but you know what? It's it. quite freeing. Yeah. Are, you, you, are, you, are you a cluttered person? Are you Not anymore, dude. Wow. I'm condoed. Wow. It's quite freeing. What's your favourite Japanese food? Um, Ramen. Ah! Oh, do you want to marry me? I do. Okay. It's my favourite. Is it? I yeah. love it. Yeah, I don't like the uh, thousand-year egg that they put I was going to say, you won't have an egg floating in yours, mm-hmm. do you? No, I, I, I asked them to remove it. But ramen is my favourite. But you see... The thing How I, hard do you like your noodles? Um, I I like the medium firm. Oh. I don't want them disintegrating. I, want, I don't want them to get lost. Anyway, what I was going to say, Buzz? I like them hard. Okay. I, I can't say that on the radio, hard. that phrase. Uh, I just can't, because <laughs> they'll sample it back. Um, what I was going to say about the Japanese is that they have five flavours and the ramen is a perfect example of that. So they have umami. I mean, British people don't have umami. They don't know what that is. What we is just umami? Got sweet. Well, I'm like going to say, I don't know what it is. Okay, so we have sweet and sour, but umami is the Japanese word really to describe a kind of savoury thing like you would get in a ramen. Well, we have four, don't we? We have sweet, sour, salty, hot. Yeah, and they have umami, making it five. And they are right. What's umami? 
it's kind of savoury. Well, exactly, because we haven't but thought not, about it. Not salty. But not salty. It's kind of no. savoury. So, what would, what's an example of an umami? Well, a uh, broth, ramen broth. I think that's quite salty. I quite enjoy saying the word broth. But ramen broth. I mean, yeah, I love broth so much. I was incredibly <laughs> disappointed with my first trip to a brothel. Mm, I, I bet you were, if you um, were looking for broth. Um, so, but broth is... Uh, 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 broth is not a... Broth is salty, though. That's what I think. Yeah, broth is salty, but it's the other elements of the flavour that the Japanese care about. They care about the fact that it's... Um, a kind of wholesome sensory experience much more than British people don't think like that well we do we're starting to with our cuisine that you're kind of looking at it and it's beautiful but that is such a priority in Japan you know just, what, what, what it looks like yeah every everything like if, I remember going to this onsen this woman like cooking for us in her house and and then like, just bringing the food and she, I've never been given no one's ever served me like that not even my own mother no, has but served it's, me it, like that with the kind do of do you like, mean a display the display yeah, but, just but like, not just like it's a treat like it's um, like it, it's spiritual yes like it's kind of like this will feed you but it feeds your soul yes you know? yes I don't yes. know I've ever felt like that and that's why I've everyone... had a no, but you eat McDonald's over a bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then maybe if that's what you do, you're going to be blown away by Japan, baby. Got to go. Well, to be fair, um, it's not usually over a bin. It usually just goes down myself. So it's sort of worse. That's worse. Worse. It's a lot worse. Sorry about him. <laughs> um, no, but, um, no, I like the idea of it. But I'm yeah. trying to think of an experience where I've been given something and gone, oh. It's like well, it's, it's, it's like a gift, but it's like a gift. Mm. It's just so then, do you feel guilty about eating it, right. taking and it in bits no, away? No, because you just feel you're just so moved that someone wanted to present something to you with such kind of kindness. I mean, I just I just love that sort of spirituality about it. I just think it's really moving. Have you ever watched uh, Chef's Table on Netflix? Yeah, that's my favourite. That's my favourite. First series is better than the other it series, is. but the first series is it so is. incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think the ramen episode is maybe in the second series though. I haven't seen the ramen episode, so but yeah. The ramen episode of Chef's Table is is, a, is maybe my favourite episode right. of any TV show ever made. I'm going to watch it when I get I home. dream about it. Yeah. Chef's Table is one... Of, well, the first series of Chef's Table is so incredibly just a gorgeous film. Everything about it, every production element of it is great. Uh, the subjects that they pick are, are amazing. Um, I like the format. And then the ramen episode is just like, oh, my God. And it just... If you, if you weren't hungry and you... And never considered eating. The, the worst ramen is the one from Wagamama's. Because well, yeah, it's, it's like just—it just yeah. absolutely—it doesn't taste of anything, yeah. and you yeah. kind of like, well, well, not this. It's yeah. just—it's just. But um, there's so many ramen places that are, uh, have you ever been to Kennedy Yard? No. Kennedy Yard is kind of like there's there's one or two or three of them like dotted around London. They do edamame with truffle oil on it. Mm. And you think, well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like a weird... And it's fucking incredible. Um, there's one on um, Upper Street, but I think there's one in Soho as well, in Covent Garden-ish area. But, um, yeah, Canada Yard. They basically just sell ramen. But also Chef's Table, you talking about, has reminded me that, of course, that there are, it's not just the Japanese that can you know create something beautiful in, in in cuisine and serve it to you it's just it's the spirituality behind it it's they've been going just so much longer than the rest of us you know mm. and i think that <coughs> is what really left me staggered i can remember like being at this temple and looking at that stone formation you know the screensaver on most macs yeah, right. where it's like that's those swirling stones that's what i was basically sat opposite 
And um, I remember one of the, the, the monks saying, sit here as long as you like. And I was thinking, staring at stones, I'll give it five minutes before I get bored. And my friends came to get me and I'd been there two hours. And the time just just went. And I, I think I was just sort of taken up with yeah. the vibe of the place. Uh, this is, uh, did you, when you were in Japan, yeah. did you go to Disneyland? Uh, no. Oh. No. I've always wanted to go to Disneyland in Japan. I bet it'd be cool. I think they'd absolutely nail it. Yeah, I'm sure they would. We were talking about Wes Anderson earlier. Did you see Isle of Dogs? I saw a bit of it. Yeah, God, it was really, really good. I had had to turn it off. Okay, there's a bit in that where it had an animated sequence of someone making sushi. It's really Uh, weird because it's doing it with, I guess, like little bits of plasticine. Yeah, God. It's quite impressive. Why'd you have to turn it off? Basically because I have a child... And I started out thinking it was appropriate, and then after a while, I just started to think it maybe wasn't appropriate because oh, yeah, the child really. is two. Oh. Do you regret having them now? The child? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love him. Yeah, ruined Sure, the, ruined but um, I love dogs. <laughs> I love dogs, so. I do love Wes Hudson. So it's difficult. It's, it's a trade off, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. That's well, why I had to turn it off. Yeah. I mean, I'd be furious. Well, uh, do you know is what it was? Really, it was trying to explain that dogs don't do that. It all just became very, very complicated. <laughs> and I just thought, we don't need that. We don't need that right now, trying to explain everything. What about Disney films, though, like the Aristocats? Yeah, he's not watched that. Two's quite young, isn't it? Two is, for two is young. Yeah. What's, what's he into? Um, he's into Peppa Pig. Sorry, just Peppa Pig? Um, he's quite obsessed with it, yeah. How's that for you? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Mm. It's okay. a, yeah, but I don't, I don't put him in front of a screen very often. My friend's got kids, yeah. and they're both into. One of them's into football, slightly older, and the other one is into uh, Batman and Star Wars. Wow! And I'm just like, okay, has he seen any of the Star Wars films? No. Oh, so he's into merch. So, and has he seen any Batman stuff? No. Isn't just that the merchandise. It's just like, well, I love Batman. I love the character of Batman. But I like Batman probably more. I like the Batman animated TV series. But my way into I think Batman is just like this iconic character that is um, supersedes uh, comic books and films, and it's like a thing that's become something greater than hmm. the sum of its parts. So I love Batman. But with Star Wars, it's just like. But you've not seen any of the films. It's weird that. Well, he likes what the toys or I don't the. Know. I, I, mean. I don't think how many toys. I don't know how many toys they've got, but. Right. It's weird to... It's like, how can you like it if you're not... It's like me saying I love Japan, but I've never been. No, it's like you saying I love Japan, but you've done no research and you haven't been and you haven't eaten any of the food and you haven't experienced it, but you're kind of like, I like the idea of this place. Yes. But I know nothing Nothing about it. it. Mm. So, but they would do that. Um, Oh, it's time for the game. Yes. I don't know what game. that is. This is the game. Okay. It's called Better or Worse. Yes. And this game involves, I name some people, and you have to say if the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my own opinion. Okay. W- on your opinion? Yeah. Oh. How do I know what your opinion is? That's it. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right? <laughs> starting with Leonard Nimoy. Right? Is he better it's or worse? It's a faster game than so this. So Josh Brolin, is Josh Brolin better or worse than Leonard Nimoy? He's, he's worse. He Josh is worse, Brolin yeah. He's worse than Leonard Nimoy. Naomi Campbell, yeah. is she better or worse than Josh Brolin? Oh, she's worse. She is worse. She is yeah. worse. Benicio Del Toro, is he better or worse than Naomi Campbell? Better. Better. 
Sandra Bullock, is she better or worse than Benicio Del Toro? Oh, I, I think, well, that's that's tough tough I think she's better. I think she's better. She is better. Yay! I, she is. I'm a I big like fan this of game. Is Brie Larson better or worse than Sandra Bullock? Um, oh, oh worse. she's worse. She is worse. She is. is Penelope Cruz better or worse than Brie Larson? She's better. She is better. Yeah, Brie Larson's pretty low on the list, I yeah. think. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. <laughs> From Wayne's World, oh, the other one. Oh, Master oh. of Disguise. Master of Disguise. Is he okay. better or worse than Penelope Cruz? Better. Have you seen Master of Disguise? He's worse. Is he? He's yeah, worse. He's worse. worse. Oh, is he? Oh, <laughs> is Javier, just... Javier Bardem oh, yeah. better or worse than Dana Carvey? Better. Better. He is better. Yeah. And is Dido mm. better or worse than Javier Bardem? She's worse. She worse. is worse, yes. Worse. Yeah. That's That must be a good one. Eight! Eight! Fucking hell, you've done very well. You join the ranks of Claudie Blakely, Jordan Brooks, Suze Kimner, Evelyn Mark, Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Shorks, Mark Smith and Carl Theobald with eight. You're not quite as good as John Niven, Sean Harris with ten, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Gray with nine. But you are better than Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Tom Goodman-Hill, Charlie Higson, Matthew Holness, Jim Hosking, Laura Lexester-Smith, Ian Smith, Josh Widdicombe, Sean McLaughlin with seven, Drunk Women Solving Crime, uh, Taylor Glenn and Hannah George, Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Mary Larwood, Lucy Porter, John Robbins, Richard Sandling, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six, Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering with five, and Jerry Page. Jerry Page hasn't been on yet, but uh, uh, Jack Barry, Bunny, Bunny Galore, Taylor Glenn, and Katie Wilkins with four, and fucking Sam fucking Ashurst with three. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I so mean, I would done, question that I did actually get nine. You've done quite well there. Well, I, I thought you'd got nine. I thought, I thought you'd got probably nine. Maybe, maybe, you get nine. maybe you did get nine. Yeah, no, I think, I think a, recount, maybe, recount. Maybe give her an extra <laughs> point. Um, what I would say <laughs> is fucking ridiculous about Brie Larson is that uh, she's French-Canadian. Is she really? She, I did so her parents named her after a cheese. Oh, yeah. Fucking nuts, right? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Wow. I like cheese, but I don't like cheese as much as a child. Oh. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, one final question. Which scientist was portrayed by Reddy Edmain in The Theory of Everything? That would be Stephen Hawking. Yep, okay. Correct. Uh, Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, is the villain in which movie? Die Hard. Which 1980s movie was set in Hill Valley, California? Hill Valley, California. I, help me. Back to the future. It was nine. You got nine. Okay. Recount. Yay. So, well. Uh, so, so now you're yeah. better than. So, uh, you did nine. You're in the same league as Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, yes. Michael Legg, Solomon Gray. You're not quite as good as John Nevin, <laughs> and Sean Harris, but you are better than <laughs> Claudie Blakely, Jordan Brooks, who's Kevin Evelyn. I got the memo. Thank you yeah, so good. much. I'm all so right, happy we had right. that recount. Um, that's brilliant. That's also, Daniel Lawrence Taylor is my man. If we'd have had another fucking seven on it, I would have fucking gone fucking ballistic at you. Mm. I'm not having sevens on it anymore. No, not anymore. There's nines and above. If you get nine, do you get to come back? You can no, come back whenever you like. Oh, you thanks. can come back whenever you like. Yeah, oh, it's fine. Okay. Uh, so if you've enjoyed it, then you can come back. Uh, but Great. if you haven't enjoyed it, yeah, I probably don't. Okay. But we'd, uh, we'd, <laughs> have you enjoyed it? We'd, yeah, I have actually. We'd still have you back. Would um, you? Even if I hadn't enjoyed it? No, we'd, st- we'd still have you back. If it, no, I don't think I'd always have you back. Thanks, mate. I'd always have your back. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so uh, one last thing. Have mm. you got anything else that you want to say? A plug? Uh, uh, I'm in the hustle with Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway. Uh-huh. But blinking, oh. you'll miss me, guys. But uh-huh. I'm there. Did you I'm get there. To, Did you get to eat lunch with them? 
No, but do you know what? I was Anne Hathaway gets a bad press, doesn't she? Like there, there are a lot of people. Mm, she comes across as quite obnoxious. But do you know what? She was lovely. I also think she's incredible. But she I was, was about to say, lovely. I think she's great. She, she was great. so welcoming. She was she was real. She was very, very nice. So I just wanted to take the opportunity. To promote. To promote. Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. I don't think she needs me. <laughs> I think I should promote Finally, myself. Finally, she's <laughs> back. <laughs> back in the game, Anne Hathaway. She's back in. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think she needs That's you. What it took. I don't think she needs you to help her career. But I do Fair think play. I do think uh, it's good to say nice things about people. I think that it get, is. I think it is. Really shitty right? about They're her. They're so shitty about her, and and it's it's not quite right. She's a really nice person. We got her end today. It's been a lovely chat. Home Thanks for coming in. Tuesdays, nine forty-five. Nine forty-five. Channel Four after Dairy Girls. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> You've been listening to a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to fubarradio.com.